ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. I'm Janice Porter and with me this week is my special guest, Hugh Culver. And Hugh comes to us from very cold Kelowna, BC, but serves the world. I know that. Um, Hugh is an MBA and a CSP, which is um, a designation from the Canadian Speakers Association, which I think is a very illustrious one if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, there's only 40 or so people in, in uh, Canada that have that designation. And we'll get into that a little bit. Um, Hugh has co-created the world's most expensive tours to the South Pole, has presented to over 1200 audiences, built and exited three businesses, and is the author of Give Me a Break, The Art of Making Time Work for You. He also has a blog at hughculver.com, which reaches 250,000 readers a year. Short but sweet, and uh -huh. to unpack from there. So welcome to the podcast, Hugh. Thanks, Janice. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. You're very welcome. Um, Hugh and I actually met several years ago when I heard him speak and, in Vancouver, and I loved his sense of humor. I loved the way he spoke to the audience. And then we re-met again a couple of weeks ago at a Canadian Speakers Association event. And maybe we could just start there because I do think that some of the work you do, perhaps volunteer in a way, is teaching other people how to be great speakers through your association with this the CSA. So you want to talk about that for just sure. a bit? Yeah. Uh, well, I actually got into the speaking business after selling a adventure travel company and I didn't realize that but when you sell an adventure travel company often there's great stories that people want to hear and I got invited to go and speak at different events um, and pretty quickly started to realize that I liked it and that I um, liked the business model so then I started to develop what that could look like as a business and that that grew over the years and fast forward about probably a decade. And I had a team of people, including office staff, coaches, and other trainers. And we were doing fairly large scale training initiatives with local government and corporations. Mm. So uh, as is typical for me, Janice, then I started to think, well, how could I then leverage that? Yes. You know, so now I understand how the industry works and I've spoken it hundreds and hundreds of conferences. I was also a certified facilitator. So I got a chance to work inside companies where I would go in and work with a, a team of senior leaders for three days and do that kind of work. So then I started helping other people become more successful as a speaker. And I mean, my interest is, is never really been so much about how to be great on stage. I, I kind of uh, there's a lot of people that are really good at that. I'm more interested in the business model behind the business. And so uh, what I noticed was that often what makes people really good with clients, makes them really good on stage, uh, is often the same reason why they're not so good in business. 
Oh, that's interesting because I think you're really good on stage. And I think that one of the things that um, I wanted to ask you about that, um, which I'll come back to because I, I kind of I'm interested in what you're saying here in that you entertain as well as educate people. And I and you also um, uh, um, engage the audience as well. Right. And I think that's so important because that's how that's how you hook them really and not you personally, but that's how you hook the yeah. audience to, to stay with you is when you are able to engage them. So tell me about that. Tell me about how, yeah, it's the, um, sure. So, um, to be really successful on stage, whether you're doing classroom training or you're in, in front of a large plenary audience, you've got to be sort of, uh, operate extemporaneously. In other words, you know, from the top of your mind and, <laughs> and go with your intuition and be spontaneous. And, uh, that's not really, that's not really, those aren't really transferable skills to a business. Right. I see. And, yeah. and I don't mean that it can't be, but uh, you know, in a business, there's a lot of stuff that's repetitive. There's a lot of things that require your attention for long periods of time. There's things like, for example, creating systems. So I'm a big advocate of systems and habits. And so in a business to be successful, you've got to create systems that allow you to get rid of low value work. So systems for simple things like how do you manage your email and how do you organize your inbox so you're not seeing most of these emails? How do you organize your day? Like my day today is, this is me. Like I always do this. This is, this is my day. I know it's on my calendar, on my Google calendar, but I handwrite it every day so I can think through how I'm using my time blocks. Well, that's not necessarily what people like to do. The kind of people that I've met that are really good on stage. They don't really like this stuff. They think it's kind of stupid or they actually think that not so much that it's stupid, but they think that it's contrary to the kind of person they want to show up as. Hmm. So as much as you can be a creative right brain thinker, because I know you write as well as speak and do right. that well, um, you also are very left brain in that. Right organize and plan and need to write yeah. them down and i know you're a visual learner because i i love the um the you shared a, a an app with me when we spoke last time that right. yeah that is um very visual and i think only well visual and kinesthetic learners i think can use very well i think i'm visual learner and a kinesthetic learner i need to like for example we just got a new um uh, card editor in the company I'm affiliated with send out cards and that um, we're beta testing it. Well, I can't get past the first step because I can't figure it out myself. I need someone to actually show me as I'm doing it so I can move forward with it because right. it's just some things just take that for me. So I know that you, um, that you talked about and taught us when at the um, presentation you did a couple of weeks ago, think, plan, act that's your system right with yeah. with um talk about that yeah. sure so that's that's a model i've been using for a long time that i continue to modify and it's it's simply a way for me to organize my thoughts for uh how to help a, a, a company or a team leader and it's so think starts with 
how to challenge your assumptions with curiosity. So how to use curiosity to challenge your assumptions. So for a simple example, when a person is like, we're leaving on Friday to fly off for three weeks. So we haven't traveled anywhere for two years and right. my partner Donna and I, who you met, are really anxious to go on a trip. So actually what comes along with flying off for three weeks is stress. Yes. Right? There's a lot of stuff to take care of, not, not, notwithstanding the fact that we had a windstorm on Monday night and we just finished rebuilding the whole front of our property. And uh, so how do I use curiosity to challenge that stress? So how that's thinking. So thinking is recognizing that whatever you focus on, you're going to get more of. Mm -hmm. mm. So if you don't like what you're getting, like stress before a vacation, I mean, how ironic. Yes, of course. On stress. If you don't like that, well, then you have to use curiosity. So for example, just before I came here, I, I left the gym and I realized that tomorrow morning I was booked for three hours of phone calls and I called up someone else that I thought might be attending. And I said, are you okay if I don't attend? And he says, that's great. I'll cover for you and send you the notes. I go, brilliant. I now have three hours freed up that I assumed I would be tied up. So that's thinking. So thinking is getting out of the loop that we always put ourselves into. And unfortunately, as human beings, we tend to loop into things that are negative or broken. Mm. Planning, so think plan act. So planning is all about how to use my time effectively so I can have more time. And I think I saw somewhere that you chunk things down into ask the question, get the quick answer, and then you go through it. That was maybe uh, um, you did. I don't I think know. Well, you might maybe are you referring to time blocking? Maybe no, it, yeah. it, 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 but it probably is time blocking. It didn't say that right. in there. Yes. Right. So one of the things that I often talk about is the problem with lists. So when you put, you know, we all love making lists. There's kind of a dopamine response we get yes. from making a list. You know, oh, thank goodness it's a list. The, re, <laughs> the, the problem with lists is that there's um, everything on the list by default looks like it has the same value. Okay. So, you know, I need to fix the shower. Like here's here's my week. You know, on my list this week, I have fixed the shower upstairs because we have relatives staying, and you know, I don't want the freaking door to fall on their head. And then beside that, you know, I've got things like um, you know, I had my AGM last night for a nonprofit that I am president of. And well, as of, as of last night, I'm no longer the president. That was my end of my term. So. There I have like prepare for the UGM, fix the shower. Doesn't make any sense, but that's how we make lists. And yes. so instead, what I encourage people to think about is, sure, you have to have those somewhere and they have to be organized in a, a kind of a priority. But then what you need to do is move them into a time block. So if I decide I need to prepare for that UGM, I simply have to take 45 minutes to an hour and put that as a time block that goes on to my day. And I can move it around and negotiate, but I can't remove that time block. So what I'm saying to myself is, I have set aside time for an appointment to do that work. And in theory, that all makes sense to me. Um, I'm yeah. not very good at it because right. I will be that person that gets, um, will procrastinate with the things I don't want to do or yeah. get sidetracked by going down some rabbit hole. So I see the value of it. I haven't been able to make it a habit yet. 
in all these years. But Janice, it's fun to play with it uh, from the perspective of not trying to block out your whole day. Like I think for most people, that would be nauseating. (laughs) What you want to do is you want to block out the part of the day that you call your productive hours. Yes. Yes. For example, um, quite frankly, I'm happy to end my day at 11 a.m. Like I I get up at five and I'm pretty busy by seven. I've done a lot by seven and then I usually go for a run or the gym. And so, so my point is that I don't block time after 11 usually. Like I have to today because I have appointments I have to get done before we leave. But typically all my time blocking is in the morning when I'm most productive, my energy is the highest. I've had a, I've had a good night's rest. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think I do some of that um, without thinking. Like I've taught myself that my best time to call people is between these right. hours and so on. I just maybe I'm not as productive as I would like to be. But I was going to yeah. just say, with regards to that, though, are you flexible? Well, I'm flexible from the point of view of I can move that block of time. So an example is this interview. So we were both. On this interview, I was a few minutes late, but pretty well at the same time. Why? Because it's time blocked. Yeah. So time blocking works because we make appointments with ourselves. And what we block time for, or you should block time for, is what Cal Newport would refer to as deep work. Deep work. So you're not blocking time to go grocery shopping. You're not blocking time to check your email, what you're doing is you're blocking time to get things done that you might otherwise procrastinate about. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's planning. There's a whole, I have a whole, um, you know, quiver full of uh, planning tools, but that to me is the one that makes the biggest difference for folks is just to get away from list building. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, to organize your list and then to take what's a priority and move it into a time block. The third is act and by act what I mean, is that nothing really happens in life unless there's a behavioral change. Mm-hmm. So thinking about things doesn't really do much, but uh, or for that matter, worrying about things, but a behavioral change. And, and I'm a huge fan of habits. So looking at where is it in my life that I have a habit that is dysfunctional, that I need to change? Where is it that I have uh, somewhere in my life that a habit would help to enhance my life? Mm-hmm. And Habits are amazing tools. They, they help us get things done that otherwise would become an irritation or, or an, er- an area of procrastination. Mm-hmm. You know, so, for example, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do when I, after I turn the kettle on is I drink water right away. Like I drink water. It would be crazy for me not to drink water first thing in the morning. And it makes sense because I live in a very dry, arid area and I'm dehydrated all the time because of, you know, I'm an active guy. And so it's not a big deal, but that drinking water is a piece of kind of a cornerstone of my health for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And so habits can also be effective in business. So, for example, one habit would be to plan your day before you start your day. That would be a habit. So that habit would then help you to get organized for the day. Another habit would be to turn off all of your alerts so you don't have things popping up on your screen. Like I just had just a second, I've got to figure out how to turn them off because they drive. Yeah, turn them all off so that you don't have other people's priorities showing up. On your phone, you can go in and you can turn off all the little red button alerts. It's Mm -hmm. one setting. So you just turn those off and now Facebook can't try to tease you into checking Facebook. So these 
are those are system changes, but then the habit is to not look at those things. Right. Habits um, are really interesting. So like, habits are a very powerful way to get more done with less effort. So I've been, um, the, the book Atomic Habits has been said to me so many times in the last few months. Have you read right. it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do I need to read it? Yeah, it's just, uh, well, I've, I've, I've been a fan of James Clear for years, so I sort of knew what was coming. And it's, it's very much uh, what Charles Duhigg wrote about in The Power of Habits, this idea that there's three parts to a habit. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth a read because what um, both Duhigg and Clear do really well is they demyst demystify habits. So there's this funny thing about habits, Janice, that um, apparently this notion that you have to do something for 21 days is actually completely made up. I there is no, yes. right? And there's no scientific evidence, but people keep referring the same fact. And what both of those gentlemen do, both of those authors do really well is they explain how rewards influence the mm. habits. It's the reward, not the repetition, it's the reward. And when we, uh, for, for example, when we have a habit of procrastination, which might look like, oh, I make a list, but I just look at things over and over and over again, but I never really tackle them. Well, there's actually a reward to that. So remember, every habit has a reward, even habits like procrastination. So what is the reward? Well, the reward is I get avoidance, avoidance. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if my habit is to uh, organize my list every Monday morning with what I call a flight plan, and a flight plan is what I will get done by Friday, well, then there's a reward in that because now I will be more effective on focusing on what's most important. You have to believe that new flight, that new way of thinking to me. Uh, yeah, you have to believe that new way of thinking. The, the point is that if I want to make a new habit or change a habit, I should be considering, first of all, what's the reward? How yeah. will I reward yes. myself? Yeah, I'm thinking cool. like a, a reward of going to the spa. That's what I was thinking of. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I get it. I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And so for me, I, I get a huge satisfaction in taking that little flight plan list and seeing things get crossed off. The mm -hmm. hardest part is creating this flight plan that um, is actually realistic. So, mm -hmm. so, for example, it would be very easy for me on Monday morning to write down 50 things I'm going to try and do by Friday. But what's realistic is probably eight things. Yes. Yeah. So these are eight, eight unique things, not, not like what I do every day, but eight unique things. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's the reward. So the reward is seeing these little check marks beside them or crossing off. Yeah. So that's think plan act. Think plan act. Um, so I, I know that the uh, last business that you just sold not long ago is your um, blog works. And I was just curious about blog works and about blogging. I was, I've never been a writer. I'm always more of a talker, which is why I started a podcast and didn't right. look like so many people. Um, but I'm fascinated by blog works for a couple of reasons. One, um, do you think blogging will go away? Has it gone away? Has it lessened in the sense, you know, that video has taken over so much? Um, in some ways, or it, will that just continue to be a way to um, 
get yourself out there, um, show your authority in what you're doing, um, have a, um, a presence that people will then come uh, be attracted to those that are your people, so to speak? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I mean, the short answer is, I, I, of course, I, I don't know, because of course, you know, those will be around three years. But one of the things about blogs that I think people misunderstand is they think a blog is equivalent to TikTok or, or, or should be compared to TikTok or YouTube. It's a different animal. So a blog, which I consider long form content on your website, which is where primarily it will be housed. Of course, you can put it on LinkedIn and everywhere else, but it's going to have its most effect on your website is a way to get people to spend more time with you. Hmm. And to develop rapport with them and to share your expertise. So it is not comparable to um, viral going viral with some little tweet on, on Twitter. Those are all very effective uh, tools as well, but a blog is, has a different purpose. So there's two aspects with a blog. One is when people do come to read your blog because they receive the email that announces that or they saw it on LinkedIn or whatever, they will spend three to 10 times more time with you than on any other page on your website. Why? Because they're reading and looking at the pictures or whatever else you've inserted. So they spend more time with you, they develop rapport with you, and they start to understand your expertise. So in my case, for example, as a keynote speaker, it's really valuable for me to use the blog because my potential clients read that article, they like what they and, and you know they like what they hopefully like what I've written, and at the same time they think, oh my gosh, we've got a, a conference in three months. You see, so then there's no other way I could have made that sort of connection with them on any other medium. The second aspect of a blog is that it can attract organic traffic. So what Google looks for with its search algorithm is it's looking for long-form content. So Google then indexes that. And that's why when you search for solutions, often it's blogs that show up. Of course, YouTube shows up and everything else, but it's often blogs that show up. Why? Because Google continually goes through everything on the internet and then it indexes long form content. So it's looking at the keywords inside that article and saying, oh, that's an article about leadership. Oh, that's an article about habits. Oh, that's an article about you know, mindset. So, so that's why it works. So, with blog works, what I realized was that as I am having success with my blog, other companies are probably trying to do the same thing. So I started reaching out to other speakers and consultants and had quite a bit of success building up um, business with them where we would actually help them with their blog, write their blog, pu publish their blog. And then I started to uh, connect with um, all sorts of service businesses, physiotherapists, occupational therapists, lawyers, bookkeepers. And the same thing happened. They said, oh yeah, please take care of this blog because they understood the value of the blog. I just find it, you know, because I'm such a, um, a people relationship kind of person that something you said about, you know, um, people come and they, they, they get your flavor from reading your blog, right. which is true. But you also said they build rapport. And to me, a blog is passive. And so how can you build rapport with people unless they, you know, engage with a comment somewhere or reach out? And you said, that's the only way I could see that working. For me, I would pick up the phone. Sure. So, you know, I, I, I just, I find that there, there's an art to it for sure. But now you've got 
I'm envisioning when you built that yeah. company that you've got other people, not you, maybe you write your own, I don't know, but you've got right. other people writing blogs for other people. So how do they get into that person's head? How did they become that voice? Well, we were, well, we're really good at it. I mean, you are, yes, but I had, nine, I had nine writers and I handpicked them because they're really good at doing that. So it's called ghostwriting. But you mentioned James Clear before. How did James Clear become a New York Times bestselling author? It wasn't because of anything other than blogging. So he blogged. First of all, he was blogging, I think, three times a week. And then he did that for like eight years. And it's a blog. So James Clear is the best known example in recent history of someone that went from absolutely nobody with no resume. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. No resume other than the fact he got hit in the head by a baseball and, you know, got it. Got it. No, he's a nice guy, but he's a, he's a weightlifter and a photographer. And, but he blogged like crazy all about one subject. In and the final blog, those blogs became his book? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he rewrote the book. He did a yeah. really good job on the book. The book is not just a bunch of blogs pasted together. He did a really good job, but he informed himself. So he spent eight years researching habits, writing about habits. In his final year before he published, he added a quarter of a million people to his mailing list. Yeah. There so you. how did he sell? How did he get to be a New York Times bestseller? Was he basically, he got a publisher, obviously, but he yeah. was the main, main promotion. And also the reason why he got a publishing deal was because he went to them and said, I got like a half a million people on my mailing list. I have like every, every day, there's like 10,000 people reading my blog. Um, so I, I challenge you to go find James Clear anywhere on the internet, except a blog. So, so, but it's not for everybody. If a person is selling teacups, don't write a blog. There's, who cares about <laughs> Who cares about it? But if you're selling a service yeah. or if you're selling some kind of intellectual capacity, you know, content like, mm -hmm. you know, James Clear, how to, how to be habits or uh, a blog is a, is a, is a wonderful tool. Um, and at the same time, it's, again, it's not for everybody. Some people would rather just go spend their time on Twitter, but if a person is already a writer, it kind yeah. of makes sense, right? If you're already a writer, what a great way of course, to attract, of course. attract traffic and build rapport. So do you prefer to speak or to write? Uh, well, um, I'm hesitating because I was a full-time speaker and I'm not anymore. So right. writing. You're kind of semi-retired, I think. Yes? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, okay. Um, you, you, you made a statement somewhere uh -huh. that I read about you, you speak and write about getting stuff done and the art of growing younger. Right. Now, talk to me about that. Well, um, so an, but to answer your first question, so after I sold Blogworks earlier this year, I reached out to a number of people I knew and uh, started working with them as a coach. So I coach business leaders who are either looking to exit their business uh, or are looking to double or triple their income and, and develop a smarter company. So I help them develop something that's a bit smarter. So I get them out of this loop of never really growing, never really learning anything new. Uh, so growing younger, well, I've just been fascinated by the whole aging process. I'm 63 and I've been fascinated by uh, well, why is it that I have so much energy and good health and, and a lot of my friends don't, you know, or people that I know don't. And so 
Uh, I want to live a long and great life. And I was very inspired by a book that came out a long time ago called Younger Next Year by Crowley and Trutch. Mm -hmm. And they have this very simple model, Janice. And I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it's basically like a, a bar graph, like a little time graph, you know, time across the bottom. And they say that um, you have two choices in life as you get older. One is aging and one is decay. <laughs> yeah. And so decay is when you essentially start reclining back in life. You become less and less active today right. we get everything we need off of a screen so you spend more you know when you go into people's homes and the tv's on all day long i know to me i think that's just like putting cancer in the room like they're just going to sit and sit and sit and it makes it hard for them to go out in the rain and go for a walk or get on their bicycle so that's called decay and then what happens with decay is eventually your body starts to respond to that and the body is very smart so the body is constantly looking at your behavior and then adjusting so if you become incredibly sedentary, the body goes, great. We don't need to build bones anymore. Yeah. We don't need to repair these cells anymore. And then eventually what happens is you stand up one day to go get another beer out of the fridge, you trip, you fall, you break your leg, you go into the hospital, you get pneumonia and you're dead. Mm. And people go, oh my God, you went so quickly. You didn't go quickly. You went over the last 15 years. Yeah. Get it? That's decay, whereas aging is like my mom. Uh, my mom had nine children. She came from a family of 15. Wow. And she lived an amazing life up until like the last few months of her life. And then she died just before the age of 99. Wow. But, you know, and her sister, the last remaining one in her family, will turn 100 next month. Right. She, she played tennis up until last year. So she, sells, she makes those gift cards at three stores in Halifax. <laughs> I love it. Like that's 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 to me is that's what I want to live is I want to live aging. I don't want decay, right? So of course, yeah. So I'm no expert on it, but I think it's just it's kind of a it's a it's a fun topic, and I think that we're going to see an enormous amount of new science coming out about aging mm. uh, and aging process and how to change that aging process so that um, yeah, so that uh, that the body can actually uh, maintain some sort of health around it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that some, in some cases, it's the genes as well. But you know, you started out early, I think, with uh, uh, a career in your career with uh, your brother. I think it was in a uh, an adventure type um, business, right? Yep. And then you took people to south uh, to the South Pole. That was yeah, that's my brother right there. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. 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 So he started the first, well, I think maybe it was the second rafting, whitewater rafting company in Western Canada in 72. And then I joined him when I was 15. And so he taught me everything I know about uh, leadership and, and even the ethics of building a good business. And, um, Oh, really? Okay. How much older than you? Was six years older. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and Dan passed away on K2 in 1993. Oh, he did. Yeah, he climbed Everest and then went to climb to K2. So he taught me everything I know about leadership and growing a, a good business. And then uh, after we sold that company, I had a chance to join some friends of mine and quickly became a partner of this 
crazy business, which is now known as Antarctic Logistics. Mm. It's a very big company that flies people into the Antarctic. So we started off with just a very zero budget and patching things together with the help of the Chileans and flying people in with um, basically Canadian bush pilots wow. into the Antarctic so we could get so we could go climb the mountains and also go to the South Pole. So you've always had that thrill of adventure and that physical needing to be outdoors or needing to be doing yeah. something physical, right? So yeah. I think that's what helps keep you young as well. I totally agree that when it's in your blood that, you know, you need to keep that, you know, you just made me think of um, the, just an aside and we don't have to stay on it, but um, I just watched this interesting documentary uh, on Netflix, I think it was called Alpining young Canadian guy who was a, a climber. Alpinist. Alpinist, yeah. Did yeah. You know? I just watched it as well. That was brutal. Yeah, and it stayed with me for a few days because he was, oh. you know, a very young guy who, you know, it was just who he was. And his, and what I loved about it too was that his mother recognized that in him as uh, when he was very young in school that he couldn't deal with school the way most people could. And so homeschool. Yeah whatever but um yeah it was interesting i thought an interesting um, that was a brutal yeah uh, i gotta look up alpinist um uh, that was a brutal show to watch actually it was so hard it was so hard to watch mark andre leclerc yes yeah he was um what a beautiful boy right yeah totally i just thought it was fascinating um and there's something else i was just going to ask you now it's gone from my head um so i, I We'll bring it around to two things. One, um, you mentioned this earlier, and I, so I think I know your answer. We'll talk about it just briefly. Okay. But, um, my favorite word is curiosity. Right. And you mentioned that earlier, and I, I want to know right now, two-part question. I like to ask my, my uh, guests. One, do you think curiosity is innate? or learned and secondly what right now are you most curious about oh that's great well i uh, i do think curiosity is innate i just think it gets rusty and it gets rusty largely out of fear i think that yes i know there's been lots of times when um, i should have challenged myself more just to kind of uh reach out to people just you know, it's crazy thing we have as humans is that we're reluctant to go and ask for help. It's a weird, we, we assume that we're going to get a negative response, even though we don't have any evidence to prove that. So I think that, I think it is innate, but I think it, it gets rusty. Uh, curiosity, there's so many things I'm curious about right now. Having exited this business, I'm really curious about what is going to excite me uh, in going to the future. So, uh, for example, starting at the beginning of this year in January, I decided I would uh, write, draw a cartoon every morning. Oh, you did mention that in your speech. Yeah, and so because I've always, I've always loved, and I'm talking about uh, cartoons like uh, Dilbert or something like that, so sort of an intelligent, sarcastic uh, type cartoons. But I would do it based on my, on my, uh, I would be the character, right? So I would be this. Uh, sort of uh, incredibly myopic entrepreneur that really didn't listen to anybody, was full of ideas, but had no follow through, you know, so I would be like the extreme example of myself. Yes. And what I, what was really fun was, you know, I go, I used to go a lot and as a speaker and talk about 
the way to think better, plan better, and act better, and all that sort of stuff. But of course, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, I don't always do that. I don't always do that because who's perfect? And so now in a cartoon, I can kind of really dramatize that. So I did a cartoon every morning for like 200 days. And so one of my things I'm curious about is could I turn that into something that would be fun, a project, a book, or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious about um, the, that, that kind of, those kind of uh, projects. But I'm also curious about how I could, um, uh, you know, leading up to the sale of the business was quite a busy time in my life. There was a lot going on. I was negotiating the sale. Um, I was going through a lot of big um, projects personally. Uh, and uh, so, and then suddenly I had nothing to do. You know, I had like nothing to do. I had, you know, I love coaching my clients, but it requires about four hours a week. And so yeah. uh, I'm curious about how I, how I spend my time. And stay younger. Yeah, of course. Right. Stay younger. Yeah. So, so there will be new things on the horizon. Maybe those things will happen. Where are you headed to? Uh, uh, Dominican. Sorry, the Dominican? Dominican Republic, yeah. Dominican, yeah. Maybe when you're running on the beach, something's going to come to you, right? I and hope so. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Or, or chase after me. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to spend on my podcast with me to share some of your thoughts and, and ideas and, and brilliant. Yeah. So um, I will, if you are okay with it, I will put your um, uh, de details on the uh, show notes where people can find you and read your blog and so on. And I look forward to staying connected in 2021. Two. Oh my goodness. 2020. I know. I know. So if you like what you heard, please do let us know and leave a review and remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out, to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share out this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.